Everything you know about health is about to change. Welcome to Straight Talk on Health with Dr. Vincent Medici. Sometimes people suffer, not from lack of faith, but from lack of knowledge. This is the show that changes that. If you are tired of being sick, tired of not getting answers, tired of spinning in circles, for healing is not a mystery. It is a miracle that you were designed to experience. It takes hard work and real knowledge. It takes patience and time. It takes the education this show can provide. So get it straight today. Here's Dr. Medici. Good morning. Good morning to you. Happy summer, despite the chaos. Happy summer to you. It begins, and I have to begin with a summary of lies. It's been months now, and if you add it all up, all I see is a string of lies. This virus is over. It's going away. They, and you know who they are, don't want you to realize that. But before we believe that there is a second wave, Florida, Texas, Arizona, before you believe that, well, these states earlier than the others lifted the quarantine and now supposedly they're paying for it because the case loads are skyrocketing. And this is a lesson to everybody like Florida, like Texas, like Arizona. We're watching Andrew Cuomo governor of New York, scold these other states like he, like, like his slate is clean and we'll get to that later. Let's look at the lies and then let's ask ourselves at the end of this list of lies whether we should really believe that there's a second wave coming and that there's a second wave that started in Florida, Texas and Arizona to begin with. Let's just do a little summary here going all the way back to March. Lie number one, that the Ferguson model would kill 2.2 million Americans. Neil Ferguson out of England, out of the Imperial College. The model that Dr. Fauci, Burks, the CDC, and everybody else decided to adopt. Predicted 2.2 million, not even close. Lie number two, do you remember when the infection fatality rate was supposed to be 30 to 40 to 50 times worse than the flu? Remember that? Remember when it hit back in March, how much more infinitely dangerous in terms of death toll this was to the flu? Well, we were told the infection rate then would be 3%, 4%, 5%, 6%. Right now, the CDC has it down. Even the CDC, which is usually the last institution to know anything, and that is the truth, has it down to 0.4%. Really, and I've made arguments for this that I think are very well-founded in other shows, it's really like 0 0.1, 0 0.15, 0.2%. It's the flu maybe a little more than the flu. That's the true infection fatality rate. But don't believe me, just look at the CDC. It's calling it now 0.4%. If we were having this discussion back in March, back in early April, we were up at 
4 to 5 percent. There's lie number two. The biggest lie, no doubt, moms and dads, grandparents, your children, that we have to close the schools to protect the children. We knew early on, at least some of us knew, that this was lie number three. To date, months later, the statistic says between zero and 20 years old, the death rate is 0.02%. It's virtually zero. It doesn't happen. It never did. We knew this from the beginning. I was saying this from the beginning. So were a bunch of others. But not the CDC, not Dr. Fauci, not those people, those politicians, counseled by people like Dr. Fauci et al. Yeah, we closed the grammar schools. We closed the secondary schools. We closed everything educationally. And now looking back on it, the statistic still holds. It's a statistic we knew back then, and that is the death rate is 0%. Think of the cost of that. That was lie number three. Clearly now we can see that children are way more vulnerable to influenza than they are or ever will be to the COVID virus. Next lie. They told us that the asymptomatic cases are infecting others unknowingly. That's why you have to wear a mask even though you don't feel sick. That's why you have to wear a mask even though you have absolutely no symptoms. That's why you have to wear a mask even though you may feel so healthy you may be running six miles a day at high speeds. But you're asymptomatic and you could unknowingly transmit that to grandma. Well, the World Health Organization and a whole bunch of others have stated, I've put these articles on all my shows. Check my shows. Even the WHO says asymptomatic transmission is rare. Not just the World Health Organization, but lots of others. I put the articles on my sites. The implication of the fact that the asymptomatic carriers don't transmit. There's a whole science behind that. I may get that on part two of the show. But one thing for certain. Heavy work's been done all the way to the eight, the World Health Organization, stating clearly that this idea that you're running around feeling great, but transmitting it to others, thus the face mask, which doesn't work anyway, that's the next lie, has already been refuted and refuted successfully. Here's another lie, lie number six. Remember the hospitals, the intensive care units? We wouldn't have enough beds, so we parked some massive Navy ships on each coast. Navy ships that remained absolutely empty, ICU wards that never overflowed. Remember that? Add that to the list of lies, along with lie number seven, tens of thousands of ventilators. We were going to need these ventilators, and then all of a sudden doctors were saying, no, the ventilators are causing death, and there was dispute there. And whether we needed ventilators or not, and we probably did if you're asking me, but we didn't need as many as we thought. There was never a ventilator shortage, not in New York, not in California, not anywhere. 
tout that up to line number seven. Then they said the lockdowns, right, back in the day of draconian measures, that the lockdowns were the only way to prevent transmission. And yet on top of that, Governor Brickhead Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, where we've seen more death thanks to him than anybody. And I mean what he did with the old there in the nursing homes. Even Governor Cuomo heard that 60% of what hit the hospitals in New York, New York City, 60% of those cases were earned intrafamilially, meaning most of what goes to the hospital sick with coronavirus got the infection inside the four walls of the apartment, inside the home. Now, even Governor Cuomo got that straight. In fact, that's a statement that comes from Governor Cuomo. And we all know this now. You get the virus indoors. Transmission outdoors is not the way you get this virus. Add that to the list of lies. Here's lie number eight or nine. I've lost count. The beaches. We were told that the beach is a place you're going to get transmission. The parks, everything they shut down, everything we use for our health. We were told that the beaches, the outdoors, the natural environments, the trees, the flowers, the bees, were the environments we had to cut off to the public because that's where they'd congregate. Like, yeah, lots of people jump on top of each other in the woods on nature trails. People crawl over each other at the beaches. These were the places that were the safest. And yet they told us they were the most dangerous. Indoor versus outdoor transmission is way on the side of indoor. And indoor is where it transmits. And indoors is where they told you to go. Indoors under a rock in the dark, riddled with fear about a plague. A plague, the last place of which you were going to contract it was the beach. Add that to the list of lies. Then, of course, is the lie about when the virus actually came to America. They told us in February. Now you got to use a little bit of common sense, something that Dr. Fauci obviously doesn't have. To that, you can add the idiot politicians who saw it his way. But common sense would tell us that if it hit America in February which is what they told us. And over there across the Pacific in China, China knew it hit their population sometime in December. Now it's no great leap of the imagination that if the Chinese are saying it hit their population in December, meaning they started to know about this, it had to have been in the Chinese population as early as the fall, like October like November, that's not a great leap. That's not some prejudiced extrapolation. It's just common sense. Again, if the Chinese pigeonholed it in January, admitted that it started in December, it's no great leap to know then that it had to have been circulating through Wuhan as early as November, even October. 
And if that's the case, against what we know was coming into the country from Wuhan through Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York, thousands per week, yes, if you do your homework, statistics tell us. 8,000 a week from mainland China into the state of California, as one example, through San Francisco and Los Angeles. Well, that's not 8,000 a week from Wuhan, but let's just bring that way down to a couple of thousand a week. Wuhan's Hubei is a very busy city. Mainland China does a lot of business on the West Coast, not to mention the Chinese that were coming here as early as the fall to stick around and celebrate the Chinese New Year. Well, when do you think we really got exposed in the United States? Victor David Hansen, tons of others, suggesting, strongly suggesting, making a very strong argument that we were exposed not in February, we were exposed as early as November to that, I want to add something, and I just want to ask you now to use something I find way more dependable in times of chaos than credentials, and that's your common sense. How many of you know somebody as early as last October, last November? Maybe it's you that told you, or maybe it is you, told you that they got hit with a flu some sort of a cough that was like absolutely nothing they've ever had in their life. And although they didn't die and although they healed, it was a whopper of a cold. In fact, they had to go to ER because they couldn't breathe. How many of you, I want you to think about that. Now, there's not a lot of you, but there's enough of you. And what do you think that was? What do you think was happening Against my argument, when people as early as last October and November got sick in a way they'd never gotten sick, coughed in a way they never coughed, and ended up in ER, I know five. I still don't know one person that's died of the coronavirus. To date, with as many people as I talk to, I still have only had seven accounts of people who have even gotten it. How about you? At this point, you, no matter who you are, other than what you read about in the media, I mean you personally, how many people do you know? What's your common sense tell you then? My common sense tells me that this thing started in America way back in October, November. And by the time we instituted lockdowns, meaning mid-March, this had already mixed through lots of the cities. It makes you wonder what the quarantine really did, which is what a lot of epidemiologists I've had on this show are arguing, that by the time we started the quarantine, we were already off. In fact, the argument is the quarantine's done nothing. That's right. It's done nothing. The masks have done nothing. Well, Johan Gusecki out of Sweden is proving it. And despite the fact that everyone in the medical community from the World Health Organization to the CDC laughs at Sweden, Sweden is still 
considering they never locked down way ahead of the game, just because they've got a bit more death, which was mostly in the old age homes, and I'll get to the nursing homes here in America, and that travesty since, well, we do care for the old. We are concerned, except we didn't show any except with our mouths. We showed our concern for the old by telling the children not to visit grandma, children who were never sick in the first place, and children who couldn't transmit. We botched this every single step of the way. And you know what I'm leading to, our latest botch, and I'll get to that in a moment. This lockdown has been argued against from the beginning. We know the place you get it is intrafamilially. We know the place you're way less likely to get it is outside. And yet we did the opposite. Add that to your list of lies. Now let's start with some of the bigger lies. They took COVID positive patients throughout the United States, New York being the grand dame example of it. And what they did is stuff these COVID positive patients into the nursing homes with COVID negative patients. Half of the deaths in the United States were in nursing homes. I want you to think about that. That's really big for you to think about right now, distorted and all. I won't even get in to how they are lying about the death counts. But we know, and this is not arguable, that about half, so let's say 40% of all the 120, 30 deaths in America, 120,000 or so deaths in America, we know almost half of them occurred in nursing homes. So why don't we use our heads here, cut that number to 60,000, and then make a case for a lockdown. At something that still isn't even as bad as the flu. If we had the authentic death count. But what about those 60,000 you're going to say? You can't write off 60,000 people in nursing homes. I agree with you. So let me ask you this. First, I want to ask Andrew Cuomo this. Then why did we stuff COVID-positive patients in nursing homes? Why did we stuff them in with healthy nursing home patients, knowing darn well that if there was one group of all the groups in the world, of all the groups in America, of all the groups in New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, and Pennsylvania that really did need protection, why did we stuff them together? If that's not the grand dame of all the lies, I don't know what is. And with the administrators in the old age homes, we're asking Governor Cuomo, Governor Murphy, et al., to do something about it, to help, to find money. They weren't listened to. Cuomo turned his back. He needs to be held accountable for this, and yet that's the same guy standing up and talking about the scolding that Governor DeSantis of Florida, Texas, and Arizona need. If this is not the epitome of hypocrisy. The epitome of hypocrisy. Now, before I move to the main point of the show, which is the latest and greatest lie, 
I just want to say something about the death counts. The death counts have been grossly exaggerated, but don't take my word for it. Because I put on my show 469. Go to show 469. Dr. Nagase Azike. She is the top she's a medical doctor, health official in the state of Illinois, blatantly explaining how no matter what you die of in a hospital in the state of Illinois, no matter what you die of, it's listed as a COVID death. She's saying that. She said that blatantly. Never listen to me again. But I have her on video on show 469 telling you that if you come in to her hospital and you die of a car accident, if you come into a hospital in the state of Illinois, and many other states do this, it's my point, and you die in a car accident and they test you and they find that you're COVID positive, you become a COVID case, the cause of death is covid and the hospital gets $40,000, twenty to $40,000. That is the way this scam has been run on you to inflate the death counts. Now, the first half of that, Dr. Ziki, on a public platform in the state of Illinois, top health official, announces a month ago or so. And I have this video, show 469. The death count is grossly exaggerated for these reasons state senator jensen out of minnesota also a medical doctor saying the same thing dr anderson out of bakersfield in california saying the same thing in the underground in the cocktail lounges in the places where doctors are not censored they will tell you there is enormous pressure to list every death as a covid death if you can link it to a covid death in summary if it's death with COVID, it's a COVID death. We never did that for the flu. Had we done that to the flu, the 2017 flu that took 80,000 would have taken 300,000. There's a huge difference between death from the flu and death with the flu. Death from COVID and death with COVID. With the flu, we did it death from the flu. With COVID, it gets listed as a COVID death if it's death with COVID. That's it in a nutshell. But don't believe me. Just listen to Dr. Ezekiel. Listen to Dr. Jensen. Listen to Dr. Anderson. This is being done. We really have to take a look at this. We care about the children. Oh, the children. I don't think we did anything for the children. We've lied to the children. We're going to make the children suffer irreparably. And we care about the elderly, the old. Put your face mask on. Protect grandma. We didn't protect grandma. We didn't protect grandma. We're not protecting grandma. Listen to my show a few weeks ago on what we could have done for the elderly. What are we but a pack of lies? What are we but a pack of lies? You got to think about that. And you got to take a stance. And of course, what I'm leading to is now the topper. Although it's hard to find a topper. 
the second wave. The second wave is here. The second wave in Florida. The second wave in Texas. The second wave in Arizona. Pretty soon we're going to hear it's the second wave in California. And our politicians are going to continue to make stronger and stronger recommendations. We'll go back to another quarantine. We'll shut our hair salons down soon. We'll shut America down again. They will do this if you don't take a stance. I want you to send my show to 10 people. I want you to go online, straighttalk.cc, download the show, and send it to 10 people. I want you to learn how to articulate the way I articulate to you. I want you to get in the faces of people who don't know. I want you to get in the faces of people who are ignorant, who are arrogant, who are afraid to the point where they can't see straight. I want you to present an argument. I want you to shine these lies in people's faces starting with your politicians and working it into your family and sending it to your friends. I want you to do that, or this is not going to stop. Now, we are winning because the truth is on our side. We are winning because sooner or later, no matter what anybody does, this virus is gone. But I'd rather do it now than in five years. Every time we get down into quarantine... Every time we're told to hide under a rock, we prolong herd immunity. We prolong the point at which who's ever going to get it's gotten it, and then we can get back to our life. And this notion about saving lives by hiding under a rock is false. Dr. Katz out of New York stated this on my shows. Witkowski stated this. Any good epidemiologist will state that the only thing you do when you stay under quarantine is prolong it. It waits. It's not going to go away by shutting down the world. It's going to go away by building health, creating a mixing, protecting those who are in dire straits and using our resources not to give people unemployment checks after you took their jobs away, but to send that money to the elderly, the old, to the niche groups so they can get the kind of care that only money come, can buy. I want you to go on Worldometer. It's called World Dominer, and I want you to look at Texas. It's on the show. Look at Texas. Look at Georgia. Look at Florida. Look at Arizona. The cases are soaring because people are being tested. The cases are soaring and the hospitalizations are going up because now when you go in, you get tested. And if you test positive, they tell you to stick around in the hospital. But the deaths are not. And those graphs will show the deaths are not, nor the ICUs. If the cases are soaring, but the deaths are remaining the same and less, this is a scam. And that's what the smart in epidemiology are saying. I will see you guys next week. God bless you. Send this show out. Send it to others. I'll post the second half in a couple of hours. I'll see you next week. Okay, that's a wrap. Don't forget to get to Dr. Medici's website at drmedici.com to look at the pictures and review the show as often as you wish. See you next week.
All right, part two. Yeah, this is the latest lie, the second wave. You're going to be hearing about this a lot. And they're playing games. Eventually, they're going to run out. You know, every time they, they spout the arguments weaker and weaker. This thing about the second wave is so obvious. First of all, you know, right, there's a huge difference between a case and a death. There's a huge difference between you're exposed to it and you're sick from it. And there's a huge difference between you're sick from it as compared to a hospitalization. Yeah. Sick, really, in the pragmatic sense of this, shouldn't really be applied to anybody that's not in ICU. If you're not in ICU, you're not sick. Now, let's qualify the statement. To get this thing is nasty. It is a nasty flu. It can take you to the hospital. You can be asked. You can go to the hospital looking for help. And usually you don't get oxygen and they send you home. It scares you. I've tracked people all the way from before we were talking COVID that got this thing in their lung that made them cough and cough and cough and scared them. And they were on their way to the hospital. And the hospital said, listen, you've got a cold. Just stick it out. Everyone I know, as the statistics have shown, were fine. So I don't want to trample on anybody's suffering. But if you're going to flip an economy upside down, if you're going to shut down a world, if you're going to change the basic rubric of social interaction and so on and so forth, if you're going to create depression, anxiety, if you're going to increase violence, if you're going to really create chaos, you got to be clear about cost versus benefit. So I want to make sure we have the distinction between the virus is in your body. Your immune system's handled it very nicely all the way from you do not have any symptoms to you have a bad cold. This is not the flu. Sometimes I call it the flu. I mean flu-like. Coronavirus is not the influenza. They're different viruses. But influenza's, well, you can smudge it to something that gives you symptoms that are not like a little sniffle. That's the context in which I might say it. So first, you got to understand the difference between a case and an infection that's symptomatic. You can have a case that's asymptomatic. You can have a case that is symptomatic. You can have a case that's so symptomatic you go to a hospital. You can have a case that's so symptomatic you go from the hospital to ICU. You can have a case that's so symptomatic you go from ICU to the grave. You got to understand that. Why? Because now we're being told that the cases are soaring in Florida, in Texas, in Arizona. Good. You're on the site. Let's take a look. 
Go down to check statistics with Worldometer. Go more to the right till you can click it on. Let's go to Worldometer. It's Worldometer. I call it Worldometer. Sue me. All right. Now, if you scroll down, if you go on Worldometer, and you click the United States, hope you're doing this with me. You see the United States. You go yesterday in the United States. New York had 48 deaths. California had 63. You see, they'll take that. Deaths at 63. If the average from last week was 50 or 40, they'll say deaths in California are now soaring. It's a joke. Same thing with Texas. And of course, in New York, deaths aren't soaring. Deaths are at an all-time low. Hail Cuomo. King Crap Brain for combating the virus, for saving the lives of millions in the state of New York. I mean, de Blasio, that pig, is so disrespected on both sides. Even Cuomo wants him gone. I mean, that's a loser. That's like Jimmy Carter, you know? Jimmy Carter didn't have Republican or Democrat. He had no support. He was just considered an all-around clown. That's de Blasio. Absolutely incompetent. Neither side wants that guy. And that's the mayor of New York? So, New York's 48 deaths. California had 63. Jersey had 45. Now go to Texas. Now what I want you to do is click Texas. Just click it. And now you can see the data from the state of Texas. Scroll down. It'll show you the counties, and up there on the top, make sure when you're looking at the counties that you're looking at not today, which is now, but yesterday. So make sure you click yesterday. So you're going to see Harris, Dallas, Toronto, Bexar. At the top there, you see now and yesterday. Make sure you've clicked yesterday. All right, good. So, Scroll down past the counties. Keep scrolling, keep scrolling, keep scrolling until you get to the graphs. Total cases, daily new cases in Texas. All right, great. If you're on daily new cases in Texas, you're doing perfect. We're going to do this for Texas. We're going to do this for Arizona. And what you see, the daily new cases, is what they mean by cases are soaring. Now, I'm going to start with this. Cases are soaring. They are soaring. Now, get down to deaths. So, scroll down one graph. Scroll down two graphs. Scroll down three graphs. Look at deaths in Texas. Look at that. Daily deaths have been about the same except in the center. So starting at March 18th and going to June 22nd. Do you see how in the center stage, like April 29th to May 23rd, for the most part, the deaths were higher? How many above 40 a day? And again, these aren't big numbers. Texas has millions and millions and millions of people. Keep this in mind. Keep in mind a a certain 
type of stupid statistical biasness. What do I mean? Okay, California has 40 million people. So one day we have 50 deaths. The next day we have 60 deaths. The next day we have 30 deaths. The next day we have 80 deaths. The next day we have 70 deaths. Then we have 20 deaths. Then we have 80 deaths. We have 40 million people. Relative to the flu, relative to all the other things that cause death, no matter which way you cut it, there's no state in the country that's ever really been in trouble. And now we have this politically correct thing about, well, when you talk about death, you can't talk about death lightly. You have to remember that one death is too many. And you, you hear everybody mouthing this. One death is too many. One death is too many. Yeah, then you tell me why we absolutely fucked the old people in nursing homes. We fucked them. And you're going to sit here. We're screwing our children. And you're going to play this politically corrupt crapshoot game with me about one death is too many. Yeah. We stink. We swim in hypocrisy. It's okay to point out against what we've done to the world, if not America, if not our cities, if not our children, and above all, people in nursing homes who don't have money and who are absolutely defenseless like our infants are defenseless. You see, you build it on lies, you pay. Cuomo's right, except Cuomo's at the top of the list of slobs. Yeah, I know, I'm not politically correct. I don't care. I don't care. Daily deaths. If you look at them in Texas in the last month, May 29th to June 22nd, you'll see they're still less than when Texas was peaking under quarantine. The deaths are less than Texas in Texas now, this last month since they've lifted it, than what they were under quarantine. And you'll see there'll be no surge in deaths ever in the state of Texas. Don't listen to my show. Email my program. Call me a jackass. Do whatever you want if I'm wrong. But I won't be wrong. I haven't been wrong about anything with this virus. And I'm not going to be wrong about this. In a month, in another month, in a third month, there won't be anything to speak about in Texas. The only thing we want to do is understand how they cheat us. Case in point cases. Here's a couple of little fun facts. How do you get fun facts? You talk to people. You get in their face. You make friends with them and then you get information. You talk to nurses. You talk to doctors. You talk to all sorts of people that aren't in positions of society. People up on platforms never tell the truth. People up on platforms never tell the truth. People up on platforms never tell the truth. What is this? You need three digits in your IQ to figure this out? What is this? Don't you understand? 
that people on platforms do not tell the truth. It is very rare. I don't want to say it's never happened. I do want to say it's very rare. And nine times out of ten, when people up on platforms tell the truth, everybody else is calling them a liar. All the institutions hate people like that. I graduated from chiropractic school in 1994. I was their class valedictorian. I basically said, I don't think chiropractic adjustments are nearly enough. I think they have to be integrated with other therapies. I think if we fail to integrate the chiropractic adjustment with other therapies, we're going to lose in the marketplace. The school I graduated from, Cleveland Chiropractic College, Vermont and Melrose, Los Angeles, in 1994, that school's gone. You know why it's gone? No one made a living. It's gone because admissions dropped and dropped and dropped. It didn't listen to my valedictorian speech, which was, we need to bring in other therapies on top of the adjustment. This was and still is a great war in chiropractic. It's destroyed their whole field as far as I'm concerned. Of course, my point, these were not politically correct things to say. And I was on the inside. I was counting efficacy of therapy against the cases I saw and I saw others work with. And I was not impressed on the basis of the return you get simply from the chiropractic adjustment. Not to belittle its significance when it's needed, it's its own gift. But collectively, just having one tool, that tool, formatting an entire profession around an adjustment, I did not think at that stage was wise. It may have worked out in the wheat fields of Kansas in 1910 and 1920 and 1950, but it didn't and wasn't going to work in modern times. And I said that, and I am right. I was right. But I was not liked for this. I was disliked for this. This was sacrilege. I had to keep my opinions to myself because it was very counter to what large percentages of the chiropractic community believed in otherwise. And it has been a tragedy since then. I graduated in 2000. I graduated in 1994. That's 25 years ago. It's been a disaster, I think, collectively for that profession. And that's not politically correct either. So would you understand, think about what you do if you're in that kind of field, if you've achieved that level of, of, of success, where you might be on a platform. You have to watch what you say. So what are we believing these people for? Why aren't we questioning them? It's like Nut Wachowski said regarding Fauci. Wachowski said, 20 years head of epidemiology at the Rockefeller Institute, he said, I don't work for the government. I'm not owned by anybody. So I'll tell you the truth. He was hinting to us. All right, the inside track on the cases. Here's a couple of the latest scams. One of the great scams is I got this straight from a home care nurse. What is a home care nurse? 
A home care nurse is someone who takes care of a sick person, usually an older sick person, at home. Home care nurse. When that person, when that patient hits a, a crisis and goes to the hospital with or without the home care nurse, that patient is tested for COVID. If they test positive, that is money to the hospital. They're kept in the hospital and that becomes a COVID case. Fine. Understandable. But as hospitals do, depending on the hospital, when they discharge that person, that person goes home with the home care nurse, same one usually. And a week or two pass by. And when that person goes back to the hospital, when that old person goes back to the hospital, they test the person again. And that person will test positive. That becomes a second COVID case. That person goes back five times over four months. It's five cases. You get it? There's one scam. Same person. They count as five or four or three, depending on how many times they check into a hospital. Here's another scam. Another scam is everybody's getting tested now. Tests, when you go into a hospital, are being done. Do you know I ran into three people with the flu? I think they had COVID, meaning three people got sick. But this is months ago. And the reason I say I don't know too many is they never got tested the hospital sent them home. I know someone, well, they got sick. They coughed. They thought they got COVID. person was 28 years old. They went to the hospital. They wanted to know. The hospital said, well, no. Hospital said, we're not going to test you. Just go home. This is what hospitals were doing months ago. It changed. They're not doing it anymore. They test you now. The testing is getting much more aggressive. It's what DeSantis said. It's what the governor of Arizona said. It's what the governor of Texas said. The first thing they said is, the cases are going up because more people are being tested. Now, here's what you don't know. If you have if you have a reason to go to the hospital, like you break your arm, or you need a surgery, or your gallbladder flares up, or you have a Crohn's IBS attack, or you already have emphysema and you're having an episode, whatever it is, depression. You get bit by a dog and you go to the hospital, they test you for COVID. You don't have to go to the hospital because you have 
flu-like symptoms. You just have to go in the hospital, and where before they wouldn't test you. Now they automatically test you for COVID. So if you come in for a broken arm, which is a verifiable medical emergency, and they test you, and you test positive for COVID, that's more data. People weren't being tested before. They're being tested. Now, once you're in the hospital, because you have a broken arm or a broken leg, and you're in the hospital for a day or two, and you went in for a broken arm or a broken leg, and you tested positive for COVID, so now you're a COVID case, the hospital gets money. What do you think the hospital needs to do to substantiate its money? What do you think? Keep you in the hospital. So now you're a COVID case that's been hospitalized. You just went in to get your arms set so you could go home. And this shifts to something else. And this is what's happening across the board. Before, when the hospital got a hold of you, they sent you home. Now, when the hospital gets a hold of you, they make sure they test you. If you're a COVID positive case, now they get more money and they want to keep you there a day or two or three because then you're a hospitalization and it encourages reparation for them. And of course, that goes to another case and another hospitalization. That is what's going on across the United States. Do not doubt me about this. This is a statistics game. And the CDC, through the AMA, through the doctors, the first line of defense, the doctors and the nurses are all playing this game, nodding their heads like a bunch of dumb clones and flushing democracy in our country down the drain. You can't build a crisis like this on lies. So why are cases going up? We're testing more. Why are cases going up? We're testing more. And why are cases going up? We're testing more. Why are hospitalizations going up? Because if you come in with a broken leg and they test you, you're a COVID case, they get reimbursement, you stay in the hospital because they want you there, then you go home, now you're a COVID case and a hospitalization. So when you look at the statistics and you say the cases are up and hospitalizations are soaring, of course they are. We've opened up our hospitals to the public. I have an 87-year-old man right now who is going to probably die, okay, because they need a valve replacement. A heart valve needs replacement. If the individual had gotten the surgery six weeks ago when he should have, he wouldn't be in this pickle. But now between his age and the fact that he was rejected for a, a valve replacement that his cardiologist said he needed, he's in terrible shape. That's not happening anymore, right? The hospitals have opened up. What do you think is going to happen? As more sick people come into the hospital, they're going to get tested for COVID and the cases are going to go up. You understand why the cases are going up? Any state that gets back into the swing of things, Florida, Arizona, Texas, anybody else, any state that really starts to get back into the swing of things is going to see cases go up. Now, the point. If cases go up but deaths don't, doesn't that ring a bell? 
Doesn't that seem inconsistent with common sense? No one has been able to accuse Florida, Texas, or Arizona, or any other state that's lifted the quarantine as seeing deaths go up. And now I'll fill you in on another one, ICUs. That is a lot of crap. ICUs are not increasing. If ICUs were increasing appreciably, deaths would be increasing appreciably. By the time you get to ICU, you're in trouble. And while, yes, the way they manage it has gotten a little better, yes, here's the truth. You'd see deaths go up if ICUs were going up in proportion to cases, in proportion to hospitalizations. There is no two ways about it. If we were seeing a substantial surge in ICU cases, we'd be seeing a substantial surge in deaths, and we're not. It is not hard to figure that out. That is not difficult math. So what we know we don't see are an increase in deaths. Easily inferred then, is there's no proportional to hospitalizations or cases, no proportional increase in ICUs, because if we did, we would see it in deaths, which we're not. Cross out ICUs and death. Checklist an increase in cases. Checklist an increase in hospitalizations. Now give that to the media. What's the media do with it? Oh, you lifted the quarantine. People are mixing with each other. That's not allowed, and therefore the death, meaning the case rates, but you don't know the difference, so you think it's death rates, are soaring. You see the scam? It's a scam. A big scam. It's a lie. It's a big lie. Mock my words. Over this next month, the only place... COVID-19 is going to go in terms of death is down. Not to mention that they're lying about death counts. I mean, don't you find it? This is show 469. I mean, do I need to play it for you? Do I need to play it? I'll go to show 469. Go to show 469. You go to show 469... And you can hear this woman. I, I think I'm going to do it. We have time, right? I, I don't have the uh, air constraint here. If you go to show 469, you just put it right in. 469. There we go. Actually, was it? Was that show 469? No, I'm sorry. The show 469 was on the face masks, which I have to get to. Let me just see. I'll remember it. I just got to see the pictures here. Death counts. It was, yeah, here it is. Show 471. Lying about COVID-19. Death counts, how and why hospitals and physicians grossly inflate the numbers. Here, first one, Dr. Nagazi Aziki. Just listen to this if you haven't heard this. This is insane. This is a woman basically in front of millions of people on a YouTube clip 
she is the head of public health in the state of Illinois. Dr. Aziki, listen to this. death. It can be a little confusing. She says anyone who Illinois' virus-related death toll continues to climb. The director of public health took time today to explain how the department rules someone an actual COVID death. It can be a little confusing. She says anyone who has COVID when they pass away will be included in that category. Dr. Ngazi Azike explained this does not mean the virus caused that death, but if someone does test positive for COVID before dying, that is classified a coronavirus fatality. Did you just hear that? This is the newscaster. You're about to hear Ezekiel, and the newscaster is prefacing it with the essential message, which is Dr. Ezekiel is about to tell you that no matter what you die of, if you test positive for the coronavirus, it's a coronavirus death. They're lying blatantly about the second wave. They're lying blatantly about the death counts. I'm not making this stuff up. You should send these shows to others. Do that and have discussions. Get in their faces. Learn to discuss things. Do not be afraid to open your mouth. You have to do this. That is your ace. You have to expose the darkness. Right? You have to make those verses in Christian theology work. You know, shine the light, expose the darkness. You got to speak up. I don't hear enough people speaking up. I see sheep in face masks online in stores. I don't see store owners being challenged. I don't see this idiocy about the governor. You know, on Facebook, there's a woman, Peggy Hall, Peggy Hall. Look her up on Facebook. Peggy Hall knows the deal on the face mask laws, and there is no law. The governor duped us a few weeks ago, stood up, Newsom, on the take, no doubt, and basically says, face mask laws deem that blah, and makes it sound like a law. It's not a law. It is only public health officials that can turn their recommendations into law. Laws need reference numbers. Laws need penal codes. The penalty for breaking the law. They have to be presented this way, without which it's not a law. It's a dupe. It's a scam. It's a warning. It's a scare tactic. But all the stores, all the institutions... They all bent over. And people walk in like dummies with their masks, thinking they're protecting each other, they're protecting nothing. And who's challenged? Who speaks up? You gotta open your mouth. All right. Asymptomatic. Asymptomatic people. This is what, well, I don't know if we've proven this. I've got to do some work on this. But it appears that lots of people 
don't really need to bury this virus using their innate or humoral immunity, meaning, excuse me, using their humoral immunity. It appears that a lot of people are so immune to this virus, you're never even going to find antibodies. Now, I need to follow this one up, so I can't be sure of this, but it appears there have been studies done, scientists are making proposals, that one of the curious things about this virus is that it's so susceptible to a powerful, innate, first-line defense immune response. Remember, we have the innate immunity, the first-line immunity, and the adaptive immunity or the humoral immunity. The humoral or adaptive immunity is the piece of it that produces the antibodies. It appears to a lot of people, for a lot of people, that something in the innate immunity, innate, first-line immunity, is powerful to the point where they don't even need their antibodies. So they're never going to test for them. And it'll appear like they've not been exposed, even though they've been exposed and we don't know how to tell. But I'm not positive that's true yet. I'm going to work on that one. But one thing we know, and I went to a show last week, Last week, I put the article on. I put the article on show 470. So I'm going to go to 470. Uh, excuse me, 474. Last week's show. And I'm going to have you take a look at article number two. Article number two, last week's show. Infectious only when symptomatic. This is an article by a woman named Helen Broswell. If you scroll down way to the bottom, it'll tell you Helen Broswell about the author, senior writer, infectious disease. Helen covers issues broadly related to infectious disease, outbreaks, preparation, research, vaccine. It's her bag. And we, what does she sh shell out for us on March 9th? That far back, this was understood. She shells out, people shed high levels of the virus, study finds, but most are likely not infectious after recovery begins. Now that's important to understand because effectively when you're shedding high levels of the virus, you know you're symptomatic. What this is coming down to for this virus is you're spreading it when you have symptoms. In other words, you know when you're contagious. And when you don't know you're contagious, you're not infectious. This is what the whole article is saying. Um, this study by scientists in Berlin and Munich 
is one of the first outside China to look at clinical data from patients who have been diagnosed with COVID-19. It was published Monday. Again, this article's from from March, meaning it has not been peer-reviewed, but it could lead to some key information. I'll show you the peer-reviewed one in a moment. Here it is. Based on present findings, early discharge with ensuing home isolation could be chosen for patients who are beyond the 10 days of symptoms, suggesting that at that point there is little residual risk of infectivity based on cell culture. Based on present findings, early discharge with ensuing home isolation could be chosen for patients who are beyond day 10 of symptoms with less than 1,000 viral RNA copies per milliliter of sputum, the author said, suggesting that at that point there is little residual risk of infectivity. This is why the WHO published a few weeks ago that they found that asymptomatic people rarely transmit. Same thing, only it came out later, all the way through the WHO. And of course, in addition to this, I put another article that was peer-reviewed that simply said, this is Article 1, asymptomatic people barely contagious. You can read that for yourself, but you'll see in the abstract conclusion. In summary, all 455 contacts were excluded from SARS-CoV-2 infection, and we conclude that the infectivity of some asymptomatic SARS-CoV-2 carriers might be weak. This was a frightened little study that came out, again, pointing to the same thing. And that's what I've offered you. If you do diligence yourself and get into this, you'll see what common sense suggests. And what common sense suggests is that to be capable of infecting somebody, you have to throw at them a sufficient amount of virus. When you're asymptomatic, you're asymptomatic because your viral levels are way down. And in that state, you can't throw a massive amount of virus at somebody in order to infect them. Now, that doesn't have to be a perfect statement. Saying that asymptomatic transmission is rare, but not impossible... Saying that asymptomatic transition, uh, transmission is very difficult, but not impossible, is not to be contested. Contested in the sense that because it's not zero doesn't mean it's not extremely useful because this is all about cost and benefit. It's the cost and benefit of doing everything. It's cost and benefit that makes successful social policy. It's cost versus benefit that make decisions intelligent versus non-intelligent. It's kind of simple. If it costs more than the benefit, it's stupid. And so on and so forth. And collectively, more and more, we're seeing people that don't have symptoms don't really spread it. It's just like the mask, the face mask. In a sense, we could say, ah, what the hell? Put a cloth mask all over your face, and that's just fine. And even if we're wrong, well, what's the cost of it against the number of lives we've saved? 
the truth is they don't work. Now, how many articles do I have to put on? Half of what you exhale will get through a cloth mask. And half of what comes your way will get into you. And if that's what this is about, collectively, over time, a cloth mask mandated to people outside and not inside is really not going to make a hill of beans of a difference. Now, what's it cost? Well, I think I'm going to do a show on what it's costing us. I really am. I really do want to do a show on this. But I'll give you a little forecast right now. That mask on your face is an act of submission. Yeah. Yeah, nobody wants to say it. So I'm going to say it. It's sadomasochism. That's what that mask is. The black mask on the face is a genuflection. It's an act of submission to a master. And that master, master, is a sadist. And to do that and not object is an act of masochism. And that's what, if you haven't noticed, hits people in the core, in the pith of their bone marrow. That's what they're objecting to. There is something sick behind this. And in case you haven't noticed, been a lot of governors, especially the liberal ones, and a lot of mayors, whoever that beast is that's mayor of Chicago. Have you ever seen her? Not to mention the governor of Illinois. And then, of course, there's Nurse Ratchet of Michigan. There's the Pig Cuomo of New York. There's Gavin Newsom. There's Eric Garcetti. If you really catch their tone, I want to contrast this to the governor, I think it's Harris of Texas. I'm not sure if it's Harris. The governor of Texas, I, I want to contrast him with Governor Newsom, Governor Cuomo. I want to contrast the governor of Texas with Governor Kemp of Georgia, Governor DeSantis of Florida, because there's a benevolence that comes through Kemp, through DeSantis, when they were mandating, shutting down businesses, there was a benevolence. The benevolence to the tune of, I don't want to do this, but I have to do it. You need to cooperate. We have a health crisis. That's not the way it ever came out of de Blasio, whatever that is. That's puke. Cuomo, Newsom. And most of all, if I were to cite one slob above all of them, it would be Garcetti. There's a sadomasochistic tone to Eric Garcetti. It's like he's enjoying it. It's like you're being punked, if you know what I mean. And he enjoys doing it. And that's what that mask represents. And that's why so many people hate it. Now, if you add to that that the studies show, lots of studies, I've put them on my site. That they don't really work anyway. What have we done? Why have we submitted? From the masks 
to the death counts, to blaming the increase in cases on the spikes, to the mistakes that we've done following the wrong models, to whether transmission among children was even possible, all the way to the true threat of asymptomatic transmission being so dead-ass wrong about it. What have we really done right with this? And I tell you, it's only through God's grace that this is passing. And we do have God's grace. And this thing is going away. And no matter what these idiots in liberal media do, no matter what Marxist socialists are scamming us regarding, the death tolls dropping, we are building a resistance to this amidst the lies. Lifting of the quarantine was an opportunity to build resistance. That's what it is. To be able to build resistance, keep the economy flowing, give people hope that this, this death knoll is over and not to see any increase in the death rate, that's victory. It ought to be understood as victory. The headlines should really say, lifting the quarantine and beating COVID. The collective positivity of people is what's important. The collective negativity of people is what will keep us in chains. And that's what you have to keep in mind. So, build your house on truth truth about this virus do what you have to do for your health not under the rock not in the darkness but out there in the world build your health in all the ways you know how to build your health and if you know the weak the disabled the feeble spend your efforts spend your money I would have gladly taken, if it had been $1,000, I would have gladly sacrificed my stimulus check to the elderly. Gladly. Had we been approached correctly, this nation would have gladly donated to those that needed it. So they would have the resources to wait this thing out if that was even possible. But we can't do it isolated. And we've been isolated. Face masks isolate, not to mention riots, not to mention the fall of an American empire. All these things pull us apart. And they don't allow for cohesive, positive measures to be made. Where are our politicians to tend to that? Where? So it's going to have to come from you. And as always... It comes down to your basic fundamental education and then willingness to implement what you believe to be true. I wish you a good week. Keep your chin up. This thing is going away, if not because of us, but because of God's grace. See you next week.